0: Jeff Anderson tells the uh, the story of a man named Chuck. Chuck was part of a church, and this church was going through a building campaign. They were extending and adding on to their building, and the big capital campaign. And he happened to be the chair of the capital campaign committee, and I've been talking to the church, encouraging people to give. And uh, the Sunday came when uh, they were people were coming to bring their gifts, and. Uh, Chuck came, uh, envelope and check in hand. They had he and his wife had made a personal, significant commitment to participate, and um, just like we'll do next week, uh, they uh, came forward. The uh, the pastor said, now's the time to come," and they had a receptacle up at the front of the sanctuary, and he said, "Now is the time to come and to give your gifts." And Chuck knew that as leader of the committee, that he should come first and quickly. So quickly, he stepped out on the aisle and came forward and. Uh, they had steps not unlike these and uh, bowed down to pray and he and his wife together and others came and they prayed and then they came and uh, put their envelope in the, uh, the box there and then they returned he chucked with his wife back to their pew and as they stood in the pew he put his hand around her back and inside his other pocket was a clenched fist with the check that was supposed to be in the envelope that he had dropped in the box. Now his wife didn't know and after the service, he got his family together and said, we, we need to hurry home because I've got some work to do at the office. So they go home and uh, they have lunch quickly and he goes to the office and he reaches in his pocket and his check is still there. And he pulls out his cell phone and he makes a call and calls to James and he says, hello, James, I know we haven't spoken in quite some time. And in fact, we haven't spoken at all together in many years without the presence of lawyers I know that our relationship got broken over this particular matter, and um, I'm calling today to ask your forgiveness about my role in the breaking of our relationship. And um, I just asked that you would forgive me. And they talked some, and Chuck knew that they'd probably never be best friends or even play golf again together. But uh, as he hung up the phone, he laid his phone down on his desk and he pushed back from his desk and he says, uh, or he thinks to himself, or he realizes that that this weight had been lifted off of his shoulders because he knew there was a relational conflict that would prevent him from giving that day an acceptable gift to God. And so on that particular day, he comes back, and uh, he, on his way home, he drives by the church, and he goes in and he gives that gift uh, to uh, the church and uh, goes home and rejoices with his wife because Chuck knew, that an acceptable gift to God, an acceptable gift to God, it was important, but part of the acceptable gift was that his heart was right, not just in the amount of the gift, not just in uh, the timing of the gift, but to make sure that that his heart was right and clean with the Lord. Today, we are asking the question, what about the heart? As we wrap up our three weeks thinking together about how does God look at our giving? Why, why does God invite us to give, encourage us to give, ask you to give out of your hard-earned money? Does God need the, the extra in his bank account? What in the world does God get out of it? And how does God view your giving in mind? And what we've been focused on over these weeks together is that giving is an opportunity not to... Not to fill God's bank account, but to connect your heart with His. And so we've been asking some questions. Likely it's created other questions for you. But we wrap up today with the most important of matters. And that is that the heart makes the gift acceptable. Your heart to the Lord makes the gift acceptable. Did you know that there was a time even in the Bible when God says, do not give there's a time when God says, I don't want your worship, I don't want your money. you remember what that time was? When Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, you can open your Bibles there. Matthew chapter 5, in fact, Jesus said, wait a minute, there, there is a time and something that is even more important for us to focus on than, than the particulars of your gift. There's something greater of greater priority than the actual gift you give, and that is your heart." A clean heart before the Lord. Now, this passage where we're going to read in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 5 comes right after when Jesus talked about... Uh, anger and how anger can so take up residence in our hearts if we let it and if we're not diligent to root out anger in our lives, that it affects our relationships and it breaks them. And in fact, he says, if you, if you harbor and keep anger in your heart, it's like in this relationship to this brother or sister, it's like you've committed murder to him or to her, and it really matters. Unresolved anger in your life really matters. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go first and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Forgiveness is part of the heart of the matter. And we'll get to that in a minute. But we've heard expressions like, The key to a man's heart is where? Through his stomach. That's right. The key to a man's heart is through his stomach. No doubt about it. I am living proof that 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 is true. God says something similar. That the key to an acceptable gift is your heart. The key for you and me to give a gift to God that is acceptable by God is a matter of your heart. You might remember the, the story that um, that the the opening part of the Book of Acts tells us, you remember that the book of Acts is a description of the early church as Jesus has ascended back to heaven and now it's sorting out what does it mean now for us to be a church without the physical presence of God with us to spiritually engage with God and to follow him faithfully into God's future. And there have been great stories in chapters two and four about pictures of the church, and how the church was uh, coming together regularly to fellowship together, and, and to, to learn and to grow deeper in the relationship with God, and they were blessing each other with their possessions, and nobody had needs, and this was a, an amazing community that was being forged, and uh, out of this great
1: generosity,
0: there was a man and a woman who came, and they had some property, they sold the property in Acts chapter 5, And they sold the property, and they they took the the money that they had received for it, and they brought it to the church. And they said, this is everything we received for the sale of this particular property. And it really wasn't. You know the story, probably, of Ananias and Sapphira. And what they're challenged with is not the amount of money that they brought, not even if they didn't bring all of that gift and proceeds from it, because they had discretion over how much they would give. But what they, the problem wasn't in the gift itself, but it was in their heart to the Lord. Because what they were told is that you've not lied to us, the church, you've lied to the Lord. And here's what it says in in Acts chapter 5, in verse 3. Peter said to Ananias, "How, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? In other words, didn't you get to decide what you did with the money? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. And at that moment, I mean, it's a crazy story. Ananias drops dead. Sapphira comes in not long after. And she perpetuates the same lie. And she drops dead. It's like, what just happened? What just happened? The matter of the heart before the Lord is a very important matter to God. That doesn't mean if your heart is not right with God today, that you're going to drop dead. What is happening, I think, at least in part, is as the early church is being forged and they're learning to live a life of purity and holiness without the physical presence of Jesus with them, these particular uh, lack of respect and honor to the Lord and lying to Him came at a very steep price. The point is that the heart matters it mattered for Ananias and Sapphira. Their lack of connecting their heart to God and lying about it mattered. Now, if you were to read just the three verses right before the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you would there's another giving story. Another man has some property, and he sells that property. It does the same thing. He brings the proceeds to the church, and the church is blessed because of it. Not another word is said, because obviously it was an acceptable gift and the other. For Ananias and Sapphira was not. you know who that person was? This is a contrast. It's put in the Bible at this point on purpose. You have the story of Barnabas, one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. He does the exact same thing, and he sells his property, and he gives it to the Lord, and it's an acceptable gift. And then the story of Ananias and Sapphira followed because it was not an acceptable gift. It might have been three times the amount. We don't know. But it was not an acceptable gift because the heart was not right before the Lord. The condition of the heart is a matter of several things that I want to just walk through real quickly with you. The condition of your heart is a matter of forgiveness. It's a matter of you learning to offer forgiveness to others when they ask it or even if they don't. But it's learning to practice forgiveness. Forgiveness is also a matter of you seeking forgiveness to others when needed. We are told in the Scripture that our relationships are so important that if we neglect them and if we harbor anger and resentment that a root can grow within us of bitterness and it undermines and destroys relationships. So your heart before the Lord is a matter of forgiveness. In fact, the Bible talks so much about forgiveness that it says the way that you forgive other people is in direct relationship to your understanding of what God has forgiven you of. So if you have a great appreciation for the forgiveness of God and your sin in your life, then you are more capable of practicing forgiveness in your relationships. And it's really compared as a direct relationship. It's a correlative that cannot be denied. I know that God has forgiven me, and I am much more apt and regular and quick to forgive those around me, and my life is not entangled with these uh, vines of bitterness. The condition of your heart is a matter of forgiveness. It's also a matter of obedience. Obedience. Jesus talked over and over about obedience and how obedience expresses your love for the Lord. Obedience is so important. In fact, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, old King Saul, he's kind of up to to his antics again, and he's trying to, to do things that are not pleasing to the Lord, not doing things according to how God has instructed him. And, and he does some things, and the, the prophet Samuel comes, and he says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? In other words... Is God only interested in your religious practices? For us, it might be, is God only interested in keeping attendance if you show up here 50 Sundays out of the year? That's a pretty good attendance record, wouldn't you say? Is that what God is only pleased about? Or is God only pleased if you give a certain amount of money? God's not pleased in those things if obedience in the rest of your life is not with it as well. Here's what Samuel says. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. In other words, the religious practices over and over, devoid of obedience and a desire to honor God with your obedient life, it falls flat. And it becomes unacceptable worship. You see, obedience, we know, expresses love toward the one whom you are obedient to. It it expresses respect in this relationship, just like a child to a parent, just like you to God. Obedience is an incredibly important marker in the condition of your heart. So your your heart matters in forgiveness and in obedience. It matters in the character Not just that you are a character, but it matters that you have character. And it matters that God is shaping your character and that Jesus is being formed in you to resemble more and more of him. you might remember in Matthew 23, Jesus comes to the Pharisees and he's fussing with them about their attention again to the religious details without the the real heart engaged obedience to the Lord. And he says, you guys are, are faithful in your tithing of these types of things but as you're giving attention to the religious duty, the very heart of your, your walk with me is absent. And in fact, you're, you're neglecting the more important matters, which are justice and mercy and expressing love. So character and the way you're allowing Jesus to shape your character matters as your heart is expressed back to God, even through your giving. And finally, it's about willingness. It's about being a willing participant in the things of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, there's a collection been taking, taken for uh, the church that's impoverished. And uh, they, uh, the Apostle Paul writes this to this church. And he says, uh, For the willingness, if the willingness is there, then the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So willingness is an important marker about your heart in relationship to the Lord. So the condition of the heart is a matter of forgiveness, of your obedience to God, of Jesus shaping your character, becoming more and more like Him, and then your willingness to participate in the things of God. Over the last couple of weeks, and including today, we have talked about how the amount matters. From God's perspective, the amount matters. Not that He's looking for a lot, Necessarily. That's not the issue. But we looked at the story of Cain and Abel, and we know that Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God, but Cain's was not. And it seemed to have something to do with the amount that they gave. Not that one gave a lot and one gave a little, but the amount seemed to matter to Abel and not to Cain. And if the amount doesn't matter to you, then it's likely not to matter much to God because it's not much of an expression of your love. And you're desiring to connect your heart with the Lord. You remember the story we told two weeks ago about the little girl who was playing in her living room and her most prized possessions and her dad is working nearby. She takes one of her prized possessions, that plastic donut and she walks up to her dad and she offers it to him and, and he takes it and he pretends num, 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 to eat it up. And her response is
2: one of glee and
0: delight and she jumps up and down and she squeals and her curls bounce and why? Because she had delighted her father with the gift that she brought, which was meaningful to her. And in that moment, a father's heart was connected to a daughter's heart. And that is the picture of giving in the scripture, not bound by duty. Certainly, discipline helps. Certainly, regularity matters. But God doesn't want your money more than He wants your heart. God wants your heart. Because He wants through giving for you and me to be connected to Him. We're not just providing a service. And we're not just giving so that God will do something for me. Never. May it never be. But we give so that we can be more deeply rooted and connected to the purposes of God. And the joy of cheerfully giving back out of what he's given to me. So the amount matters. We've learned that we determine the amount. We talked about the tithe. And I've I've suggested that you begin to look at the tithe as the floor, the entry point, not the ceiling. Don't look at the tithe as, as a goal to be reached and then settled in. May the tithe, the 10%, be a starting point and move beyond it. In joyful generosity to the Lord. But you determine the amount because the amount must matter to you. If it's going to matter to God, and if it comes out of your relationship to God. That's how you determine the amount. You you evaluate your relationship to, to God and you say, This is amount. This is an amount that I can give back to God because I want to delight the heart of my father. And so I give it to Him with gladness because it matters to me. The gift matters to me. And it will matter to God. And you give out of your abilities. We don't all have the same abilities to give. We don't all have the same amounts. That's between you and God. But you give, we all give out of our ability to give. Sometimes it's out of our income. Sometimes it's out of taking possessions and selling them and doing something else with them. Sometimes we have saved away money expecting to spend it on something and and now that uh, expense is no longer needed. Now we've got this money. What might God want us to do with that money? What might He do? And then there's certainly faith. There There are times in your life when God will call you to give beyond what you think you can. And he he invites you to learn to trust him, and those are moments too that you learn to sense God's promptings in your life. But we give out of our abilities, and then today the heart the heart makes the gift acceptable. Your heart before the Lord makes the gift acceptable. You know God God is not in the bill collecting business. Did you know that God is not collecting bu- He's not sending out invoices. Okay, God is not, you're not going to go to your mailbox tomorrow and find an invoice from God. Okay, you might find some communication from the church. (laughs) But you're not going to find an invoice from God. Here's what God, God knows the condition of your heart. In Proverbs 21.2, the Bible says that all a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. So when Jesus tells us, if we come in worship, we come to give a gift, and we remember now that that our brother has something against us, we need to go and be reconciled to the Lord, and then we come and are able to offer a gift that's acceptable to God. That God is weighing your heart, because there's nothing more that God wants than your heart. He wants to be connected to you. You might remember in Psalm 51 is the great psalm of David's seeking cleansing from God. He's repenting of his sin. And in that, he talks about what God doesn't, he repeats that God doesn't delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. What God delights in is a contrite spirit and a heart that is available to him. He goes through this confession. And he seeks the Lord to cleanse him. And then we find another part after that prayer that he then comes and gives probably the most elaborate gift the Bible ever records back to the work of God. But it started with a clean heart. So what is it that God desires? God desires for his children to come to him, to allow him to cleanse you and to present Your willing heart in worship as you give back to him. God asks you to give because he knows that through giving, you are able to connect your heart and be united to him. Dan and Nancy are going to come and share a little bit of their giving journey with us.
1: So, hi, I'm Nancy, Hi, Church Family. Um, When Dan mentioned that Bryce wanted us to come and talk today, the first thing that came to my mind was over 20 years ago, some of you know the story, we got involved in a Bible study called Crown Ministries. And I think it totally changed our perspective on our worldly possessions because they really aren't ours, and they never have been. And the idea that they were ours, it was delusional. Not because God wants to take our things, but because everything we have, whether it's our, our marriage or our, our family um, or the possessions we have, were a gift from him, and they always were. They, weren't from, they were from the sweat of our brow, but really it was because God chose to bless us. And so the first time in my life when we looked at tithing, It wasn't out of fear or duty anymore. Fear because, you know, we have bills to pay. Do I trust that God's going to make sure we have enough money every month? And suddenly it became joy. Really hard to believe if you've never done this, but I actually got excited when we sat down and talked about additional ties because it was like, this is fun. It's more fun than a vacation, kind of, because it's like this is going to help somebody's ministry. This is going to bless somebody's heart or or encourage them in a way um, that's tangible. So I think Dan's going to talk a little on that too. But just keep that in mind in in this season that you can actually get joy out of giving for the Lord.
2: So I was baptized at the age of 23, uh, having grown up as a Catholic and then searching and searching and finally finding a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was baptized, but I didn't know until we took Crown Ministries that I was holding back something. And you see the, the photograph up there is a photograph of a sword. And this is an image of the Crusades because during the medieval times, the church hired mercenaries to do the dirty work of driving out Islam and taking over territory of the churches. And the mercenaries to show their dedication to the cause and the church, they would be baptized. But they would be baptized with their sword out of the water. Because their sword had to remain in their own control. Because they were going to do some dirty work with the sword and they didn't want to blemish the church with them. And they held the church, they held the sword out of the water and out of the baptism. And I was convicted during the Crown Ministries course that actually I had been baptized holding back. I held my wallet out of the baptismal water and kept control of my wallet and my finances to myself. And I was convicted that I really needed to have a new baptism. A baptism in my heart, but Jesus, you have all of me. You don't have just my soul or my heart or my mind, but you have my physical being. You have my wallet. And so I had, I went through an unconscious process of being baptized all. Oh, total immersion, Jesus, you have me and everything about me, including my finances. And it was truly amazing the freedom that came from it. Nancy just explained part of that. It. it said, you know, Jesus said, when you're tithing, this is my paraphrase, but when you're tithing, you can live off the 90%. It's going to be more than you ever need. And that's been our experience, is that once we started tithing, we didn't miss it at all. In fact, we turned out to be in much better shape emotionally, but also economically, financially. I remember um, we had gotten a new used car, and within the first week or something, uh, I got a ding on the side of the car, and I was like, oh man, you know? But the beauty of it was, I didn't own it. It's God's car. I said, God, I don't know why you wanted it gun in your car, but it's your problem, not mine. And, and throughout, throughout the rest of my life till today, is it's not my problem. Finances for the office, God, it's your problem. I know you're going to take care of it. And I pray that prayer, and he comes to you every time. So there's that promise that when you are giving in with a right heart and a right place, that God loves that, he appreciates that, and he is taking care of you. Thank you,
0: Thank you guys um, very much. That's helps us appreciate uh, what what we can be doing and learning and how we can grow and how giving allows us to grow in our discipleship. You have inside your bulletin this blue insert. Uh, we've included this in here for you to help... Uh, everyone appreciate uh, over the last two years, we've spent significant money investing in this particular building, a property that God has given us for decades now and trying to build upon um, the work and the sacrifice of others in the past. And want you to know and to see clearly where uh, some of that money has gone over the last uh, several years. Uh, you also have uh, this white uh, insert. I want to encourage you to pull this out as well. Um, part of Part of what we do as a Baptist church is that uh, we are known as autonomous churches, meaning uh, that we receive no outside funding, that everything that uh, goes into supporting the work and life of this church comes from, well... From her members, it comes from you and uh, every penny that we have. There's no other funding source that comes to us. We, next week, we'll talk a little bit about the cooperative program because it's the way, then, that we are able to pool our monies together with thousands of other churches around North America to uh, participate in a lot of other things like disaster relief. And uh, church planting all across North America, and uh, seminary education. Uh, several of us in this room, uh, including uh, a lot of your staff, has benefited from uh, seminary education and having reduced rates because of giving. So a portion of every dollar that's given goes to the cooperative program. I've gotten two degrees from there, and so I thank you. Um, you've you've helped me and many others in that regard. But next week, next week we we have the opportunity uh, to bring this. This pledge card back with you, and if you've not taken the opportunity yet, uh, I want to encourage you this week with your spouse or uh, with your uh, uh, with your finances, and, and to sit in some time of prayer this week and really make a prayer before the Lord to examine your life and to examine how you might participate in giving in the coming year. Uh, we as a church uh, we have not been. Uh, our gifts and receipts, times, and offerings have not uh, been uh, at the place we had expected them to be at this point, and usually things begin to pick up about this time of the year, and we're not yet seeing that, and so there are some needs for our church through the rest of this year, uh, so we want to encourage you to be thinking and praying about that as well. But this is for the next calendar year, our next fiscal year in 2019. It's an opportunity for you to be in prayer about what what is an amount for you that would be acceptable by God? How? What is the amount that you might share in this church that would help your heart be regularly connected to Him? I know we live in an age where uh, it's usually opportunity given. You know, something happens and I give to that opportunity. But the idea of giving something regular and consistent and out of a disciplined way, that's not so strong anymore. But I just want you to know that a church like this survives on... On your giving, and your giving is your opportunity to connect your heart back to God, and I think he sees it as a personal gift. So, you can see uh, the ways to do that on the back as well. Turn it over if you would. There's an opportunity to see some of the ways you might connect your life, because as we think about stewardship, part of what we're called to is not just to look at our our bank account and our wallet, as important as that is, but also think about our time and how, how might we invest ourselves in our time and what is it that the Lord might be calling you to be participating in in the coming year. And, uh, this is not a contract, you're uh, but this is a helpful tool because our, our stewardship committee will be taking these and this is a very significant part in, in how they, uh, they'll structure the budget to come. And, um, and we just want to be in prayer both for um, our giving that's not been on par to what we expected uh, at this time of the year. So I want to be in prayer for that and to be in prayer for your, your commitment. So next Sunday, here's what's going to happen, is that you're invited to bring your, your slip with you tomorrow, your pledge card. There will be a time in our service, there will be a basket up here. And uh, just like in days gone by, a lot of times throughout history... Uh, People have collectively stood and and they move and they literally place these things down on the altar to uh, give them and dedicate them to the Lord. And So would you please be prayerful about that and make discussions with uh, those whom you need to discuss. And uh, we'll look forward to worshiping the Lord together, because what kind of a giver does God really delight in? A grumpy giver? We don't want you to come next week. All upset that you're giving out of an obligation, but we hope that you will come with a cheerful heart because that's the kind of giver God wants. Not because he wants you to be bubbly and happy all the time, but because he knows that in your cheerful giving, you've already connected your heart to his. So let's pray about that now. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to pray. We thank you for the opportunity to give. We thank you for the opportunity and the invitation to give of our time and uh, to be participants in this church and in the ministry that you want to do through us. We thank you for the opportunity to give financially, to support the church's budget for sure, but even more so to see a faithful congregation and my life to be connected deeply and wholeheartedly to you. So in this week ahead, even if we've not given it a second thought recently, may we take the time that we need to pray prayerfully consider how you would have us give and to invest ourselves in this place for the season to come. If there are additional things we might feel you're prompting, additional gifts that we might feel you're prompting to give, uh, before the year is over to help meet the, uh, the difference in our budget this year, we ask, God, that you would uh, prompt our hearts. And however we need to be following through faithfully to those promptings, God, help us to be quick to do it. Uh, we love you. We, we trust you. And we look to you now, as we always do, in this season of reliance and hope and faith-building. And we pray it in the name of Jesus together. And all of God's people said, Amen. We're going to sing our closing song. Uh, If you could find your music sheets, a song we've been singing this now our third week in a row, uh, a song of uh, giving back our lives to the Lord. Uh, Won't you stand? Would you find that song and let's sing together?